Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We have a guest speaker with us, and we hope that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Well, in uh, 2016, uh, we welcomed Kelsey Quinn to our church staff, and uh, for four years, she served as my administrative assistant. A couple of years ago, she transitioned and became our office manager and uh, our bookkeeper for the, for the last couple of years. Now, she just doesn't do books any way that she can get her hand on ministry in any form or fashion. She does that as well. Uh, what you may not know about Kelsey, she also feels the, the call to ministry. Uh, she has a, presently, she has a license with the Assemblies of God as far as her credentials. And this May, she's going to be ordained uh, uh, as a preacher of the gospel with the Assemblies of God. And this morning, we're opening our pulpit to Kelsey. Would you come? Would you make Kelsey welcome this morning? She's going to share God's word with us today. Good morning. Well, I'm so honored to be with you guys this morning and just to share my heart. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Kelsey Quinn. And yes, I've been working here at Generations Church for the past six years, but I was also born and raised in Tallahassee, and this is my home church. So I've literally been in this church since I was a baby. I was dedicated in this church my uncle Lamar Krill, he was the pastor here for many years. My dad, he was on the deacon board before he passed away. So the spiritual roots for my family run very deep at Generations Church. Pretty much any time the doors were open, my family, we've been here. So this is the church that I was saved in over in you know, the children's church, I gave my heart to Jesus. When I was 13 years old, I felt a call to ministry. So after I graduated high school, I actually attended a three-year discipleship program in Alabama. And I also completed a fourth year on staff. But I truly am honored to be working and serving in the church that's made such an impact on my life and I look around the room and I see many faces that have invested and poured into me. I see missionette workers, I see children's church workers, Miss Linda, Lieutenant Linda. <laughs> I see youth leaders, I see so many people that have poured into me and invested in my life. So I just wanna take a moment to say thank you to you. Thank you Generations Church for your impact in my life, I truly would not be who I am today without the children's church workers and the youth leaders that have invested in my life. So I just wanted to give you guys a shout out this morning. But I just want to share with you a message, a message the Lord has put on my heart for our church. You know, as I look around the world, it seems to be getting darker and darker, right? There's war, there's famine, there's persecution, there's crime, there's violence. But I truly believe as the world is getting darker, the church is only going to burn brighter. There's a scripture that's been on my heart in, in this season, and I believe it's for our church. And it's Isaiah 43, 19, and it says, See, I am doing a new 
thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You know, this scripture, it was a declaration of victory to the Israelites in the midst of captivity. The Israelites were facing hardships and trials, but God was declaring to them that he was getting ready to do a new thing. And I just believe that God is saying that for our church as well, that even in the wilderness, he is preparing a way. He is making streams in the wasteland, that even in the desert, there will be a stream that offers life. A few months ago, back in September, a group of us went and visited the Holy Land. It was a wonderful trip. If you ever have the opportunity to go, I highly recommend it. It truly just makes the Bible come to life. But one of the places that we visited was En Gedi. And En Gedi is actually kind of the refuge where David and his men hid away in the caves and the mountain as they were fleeing from Saul. They're going to put some, yeah, some pictures on the screen just to show you. But um, one of the things that stuck out to me about En Gedi is it, it was surrounded by a desert. It was very kind of like a desolate climate. But throughout the mountain, there was beautiful waterfalls and streams that would produce this, you know, green vegetation. And it just amazed me that even in this dry, desert-like climate, that there was a steady stream that would produce life for thousands of years. And I feel like this scenery really just kind of gave me a picture of Isaiah 43 and what the Lord is saying to his church, that even though everything around you might look desolate, the Lord is doing a new thing in his church. The world around you might be wasting away, but he is making streams that produce life even in the desert. So what does that mean? Well, I believe God desires to pour out his spirit in our church in a greater way. Amen? I believe God wants to do something so powerful in our church, and I believe he's already started it. He's been moving. We've seen him move in our services, but I truly believe it's just the beginning. God is getting ready to do a new thing, and I'm excited for what he's going to do. I feel like the Lord, though, he's calling his church to prayer and preparation for revival. It's important to get our hearts ready and to be open to whatever God wants to do. So let's talk about revival. What does that look like? We've heard that word right a lot, right? We've seen it, but let's let's go back to it. The word revival comes from a Latin word meaning live again, and it carries the idea of restoring something to normal. So spiritual revival is essentially returning to God's original design. Revival is spiritual renewal in the life of a church, and it often has a national or global impact. So why do we need revival well, like I said earlier, the world around us is getting darker, and I'm telling you, the answer, the solution to the problem is a spiritual awakening in this nation. The human heart known to stray and decay is in constant need of revival, a returning to God and his ways and an outpouring of his power and grace. Revival is the spiritual resuscitation of something that needs reviving. Revival is that steady stream that produces life even in the desert. Revival is tapping into that well that never runs dry. 
Revival historian J. Edwin Orr, he studied the dynamics and characteristics of a region or culture before revival would break out. He studied multiple outpourings and moves of God, and he came up with five distinguishing features. So again, this is what culture looked like before revival would break out. Greed with rapid increase in violent crimes. Occult domination. A nation hungry for the supernatural turned to spiritualism. Immorality, a philosophy of free love is accepted by many. Commercial and political corruption, bribes and illegal practices are common. And the last thing, atheism, apathy, and an indifference to God, the church, and its message. It's pretty interesting, huh? You can turn on the news and see headline after headline with these main themes in our nation and around the world. I'm telling you, as the world is getting darker, it's an opportunity for the church to to shine brighter. This could be the finest hour for the church. As the world is wasting away, that church is like that river in the desert that produces life to all of those who will come and drink. As I've been studying about revival, I've learned that water and wells in the Bible can represent spiritual renewal. In the scripture, we find that water actually represents the spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit represents that life-giving water that quenches our spiritual thirst. Now, wells represent access and supply to a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. Our hearts and our spirits can also represent a well where the Holy Spirit resides and flows powerfully from us. Jesus himself used the analogy of living water to describe the value of his life in us when we tap into our own well of the Holy Spirit. So I'm telling you there is a spiritual and a natural significance in the understanding of wells and how they run parallel to revival. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning because I believe God is calling his church to dig a well of revival. There is an access and a supply that we have not fully tapped into yet. God wants to pour out so much more, but we have to be willing to go deeper. We have to be willing to dig. We have to be willing to not just come and drink from the well, but to dig deep and tap into that fresh supply that he is offering us. God is calling us to dig deep and to make more room for him in our lives in our church, in our families. So let's talk about the biblical significance of wells because I think it's so interesting. You know, wells were the most important consideration of life in the ancient day. They were the source of how life could be sustained. A good well could last thousands of years and refresh many generations. And a well symbolized more than just water, but it truly was a life source to a community. Well, revival wells represent spiritual renewal of the heart. A revival well provides water that refreshes and revives dying people who are spiritually thirsty. The process of digging a well back in that time was a very difficult task. Those ancient wells, they were dug by hand, so it was very dangerous. It was very laborious, and often it would take weeks, months, or even years to actually dig a deep well. 
Well, in the same way, digging a revival well is a costly, emotional act of faith. It's hard labor propelled by the belief that as you dig deeper, you will tap into a greater supply, not just for yourself, but for many others. You know, we live in a world that is so fast-paced, right? We can access any information that we need in a matter of seconds. The amount of information that we process in a day is remarkable. But sometimes I wonder if that fast-paced culture has caused a lack in perseverance to dig and go deeper into the things of God. Drinking from the well will satisfy you, but there is so much more we can access if we are willing to dig. There is so much more God wants to pour out on his church, but we have to be willing to go deeper. I'm telling you, God is calling his church to dig a well of revival. As I'm talking about revival wells this morning, I want to read a passage in scripture. It's in Genesis 26. If you want to turn there, I'm going to start reading in verse 12, but I just want to give you a little context before I start reading. So this passage is about Isaac, the son of Abraham. The Bible says that a severe famine struck the land like in the days of Abraham. So Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. Now the, the Lord told Isaac to settle in that land as a foreigner, to not move down to Egypt, but to stay there, and that he would be blessed just as he promised Abraham, his father. So now I want to start reading in verse 12. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants, that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. I want to pause right there. So we know that the land was experiencing famine, right? And they were in drought. So that meant that everything was scarce, including water supply. So people all over the land would dig for water, but they would not find any. But Isaac was able to dig and find water, right? Because he was able to grow crops and he was able to have a harvest. Therefore, he had access to water. So what that tells us is that Isaac was blessed by God in a season where everyone and everything around him was suffering. So the first thing that this tells us about revival wells is that revival wells produce spiritual blessing. Isaac settled in a land that was not only physically dying, but spiritually as well, right? He was living amongst, amongst the Philistines. They were evil. They were known for their idolatry and sin. But God called Isaac to settle in that land, even though in the natural it looked physically and spiritually dead because the Lord wanted Isaac to trust and be dependent upon him. And Isaac did. He trusted God to provide for him, even though it probably looked like a hopeless situation. God supernaturally provided for Isaac exactly what he needed to prosper. You know, in the natural, it didn't make sense. Why would God call Isaac to a land to dig a well when everyone else was digging a well but not finding water, right? Why would God call him as a foreigner, as an outcast to a land? 
To our human reasoning, it doesn't make sense. It might seem like an impossible situation, but you see, we serve a supernatural God who does not operate by natural limitations. The land lacked water, but God provided it for Isaac so he could be blessed. God caused Isaac to prosper in abundance when the world around him was physically and spiritually desolate. And as we're talking about revival wells today, I know it might look like, well, our world is so far from a spiritual awakening, right? We're moving in the opposite direction of that. But I'm telling you, nothing is impossible with God. And he is not limited by what is taking place in the natural, but he desires to, bring, uh, to spring up a supernatural move of his Holy Spirit to accelerate the church. Revival wells will produce spiritual blessing, meaning the church will prosper when the world is experiencing spiritual famine. Revival wells will produce blessing and favor that cannot be cultivated in the natural, but it's only by the supernatural hand of God at work. You see, God set Isaac apart from everyone else. He stood out. Everyone else was in famine, but he was prospering. I'm telling you, when the church starts moving in revival, the church is going to thrive. There are going to be signs and wonders and miracles, and the church is going to start, or the world is going to start looking at the church and saying, what's happening in the church? The church is going to accelerate. The church is going to prosper. There's going to be an abundance. The church is going to be like that river that brings life that the world can come and draw from and find life in Jesus. There's another thing I just want to mention that sticks out to me in the scripture, and it's that, you know, it mentions that the, some of the wells that Isaac dug were actually some of his father's wells. So these wells were a life source for many generations, and we can take away from that that revival wells are not just for you, but they are for your family. Revival wells produce spiritual blessing for the next generation coming after us. Isaiah 44 verse 3 says, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Digging a well of revival will have a lasting impact on generations to come. We must dig a well of revival for our children. You know, the spiritual decline of this nation is alarming. And I think our children are facing things today that we would have never imagined. But I'm telling you, we don't have to be afraid. God is going to raise up this younger generation to do mighty things for him. But we need to dig a deep well that is going to have a lasting impact on our children and our children's children. We must dig a well that produces spiritual life and blessing that our children can come and draw from. Revival wells produce spiritual blessings that will bring hope not only to this world, but to our family and to the generations coming after us. I want to keep reading the story. I'm going to start in verse 15 again. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you've become too powerful for us. 
So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. So we see in this passage that the Philistines actually came and contaminated Isaac's wells. They actually filled in his wells with dirts, with dirt and rocks. And in those days when someone was digging a well, it was like they were staking claim to the land, saying, this is my property. So for someone to come and fill in their well, that really was like an act of war. And we see in the scripture that Isaac was also asked to leave his home. You know, Isaac had every right to fight back, and he had the resources to say, no, this is my family, this is our land. But he chose to trust the Lord, and he settled somewhere else. We see that he even had to reopen the wells of his father after the Philistines had also contaminated those wells. So Isaac had to clean out the wells in order to get to the water source. This is the next thing about revival wells. Revival wells can't be contaminated, meaning there can be no mixture with sin in the world. God is looking for a bride with no spot or wrinkle. Now hear my heart. I'm not talking about perfectionism. I'm not talking about works, but I'm talking about intimacy. God is calling us to greater intimacy with him. Intimacy is one of those words that the world has warped and tainted, but intimacy with Jesus is the most precious experience. Intimacy with Jesus, it's true devotion to him. It's where you love him so much that you want to spend time with him. You want to pray. You want to read your Bible because you just want to be with him. Intimacy with Jesus is pure worship by giving every area of your life over to him. Intimacy is when you live a life of surrender, saying, Lord, I'm not going to hold back, but I'm going to give you all of me. Jesus said in John 4, 14, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know, Jesus is truly the only thing that can satisfy our hearts. There's a deep need in all of us to be loved and to belong, and that can only be satisfied through Jesus. Jesus said, whoever drinks from my water will never thirst again, meaning that there is nothing this world can offer you that will satisfy your heart. If we look to the world for answers, we will never be satisfied. If we look to the world for, for fulfillment and happiness, you will be left filling empty. Only Jesus can satisfy our hearts. Only Jesus can fill our lives with meaning and purpose. Sin and mixture of the world, it doesn't happen overnight, right? As Christians, we don't wake up one day and say, this is the day I'm going to sin, right? No. It, it's a slow fade. It's a slow process. When we begin to take our eyes off Jesus and we begin to focus on ourselves, Sin happens when our desire becomes more important than submitting to the will of God. When we don't cultivate an intimate relationship with Jesus, we are easily influenced by the world, and before long, sin creeps in. Believers, we don't intend to fall away. We don't intend to 
right, turn away from God. It's a slow fade. It's a slow process that happens over time. When we don't cultivate intimacy with Jesus, sin begins to creep into the hearts of believers. Like Isaac had to clean out the wells, it's time to clean out the wells of our heart. It's time to clean out the contamination of sin and mixture of the world. You know, you will never truly be happy trying to live half your life for Jesus, but then half for the world. The Bible says that God is a jealous God, meaning his love for you is so strong that he doesn't want to share you with the world. He wants all of you. He wants your whole heart. God is calling us to get rid of the contamination in our hearts and to live truly devoted to him. Maybe you're in here today and you've allowed compromise and mixture in your heart. Maybe your love for Jesus has grown cold. Maybe you've become miserable in your relationship with Jesus, trying to live half for him but half for the world. What I would say to you today that God is drawing you to him today. He loves you so much and he wants to give you a life of true meaning, of true peace, but he wants your whole heart. He wants all of you. It's time to stop striving for the temporary satisfaction of this world, and it's time to dig a deep well of intimacy that will never dry up. But before we can start digging a well of intimacy, we have to clean out the dirt and the contamination in our hearts. You know, revival and repentance go together. You will not find a sustaining revival without continual repentance. Repentance, it's more than the initial confession, but it's an ongoing lifestyle. Revival has always begun because of repentance manifested through radical obedience. God is calling us to clean out the contamination of our hearts. If you want to dig a well of revival, this is the first step right here. To clean out the sin and the mixture of the world. That's the first step right there. If you want to go deeper with Jesus, then you have to cultivate an intimate relationship with him. I'm telling you, if you want to dig a well of revival, then you got to clean out the contamination. Revival wells can't be contaminated. I want to keep reading in this story. Verse 19 Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said, and they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Esek, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well, but again there was a dispute over it, so Isaac named it Sinna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. From there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God of your father, Abraham, he said. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place, and his servants dug another well. So we see in these verses that Isaac faced a lot of opposition, right? In the previous verses, he had just moved away. He was told to move away, and he did, 
and he dug a new well, but then someone came and claimed it. So he dug another one. Someone came and claimed that one. So this didn't just happen once or twice, but it happened multiple times. And the thing that sticks out to me in this passage is the perseverance that Isaac had to keep digging a new well. Isaac didn't give up because things got hard for him. So what this tells us about revival wells is that revival wells will face opposition. Meaning when you start going after more of God in your life, there will be opposition. Right? We all face difficult things in life. Moments that can make us or break us. When we give our life to Jesus, we're not exempt from pain and suffering, but we can have hope and peace in the midst of our difficulty because of Jesus, right? We, we can't avoid those moments in life that sometimes take our breath away. We all experience those things we didn't expect, the pain we didn't anticipate, the moment we didn't see coming, but those moments and those situations, they don't have to defeat us. They don't have to paralyze us. Isaac could have just given up, You know, he could have doubted that God would continue to provide again and again for his family. Remember, they were experiencing famine. So for him to dig a well once and find water was a miracle. But for it to to happen again and again and again showed the supernatural hand of God upon Isaac. Isaac faced lots of opposition, and he could have given up. He could have said, you know what, God, I'm just going to go back down to Egypt where it's easier. This is too hard. Sometimes life's disappointments and setbacks discourage us so much that we just give up instead of trusting in the process. All Isaac knew to do was to keep digging, and he trusted God to supply the water. Sometimes we just have to keep digging, and we have to trust God with the rest. Sometimes we just have to keep trusting, keep praying, keep praising, even when we are facing a hard thing. And I feel like I just need to remind some of you this morning that you are capable of doing hard things. You are capable of doing hard things. Choosing to do the hard thing in the moment, it might be painful, it might be scary, but the end result will be worth it. The outcome of doing the hard thing will be far greater than the temporary relief of giving up. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary and doing good for at the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So I just want to encourage you this morning. You might be facing opposition in your life. You might be going through a very difficult situation. Well, I just want to say to you this morning, don't give up. Don't lose hope. When you make that choice to dig a well of revival, when you say, yes, God, I'm coming after you more than I ever have before, there will be opposition. There will be difficult moments that come up where you can either choose to keep digging or you can let that pain or that situation to stop you, to paralyze you, to keep you stuck. And that leads me to the last thing I want to mention about revival wells, and I want to ask worship team to go ahead and come. But revival wells are hard work. Not only did Isaac face opposition, but he had to continue to put in the hard work of digging new wells. 
Revival is not one of those things that you can just wish and hope for, but it takes persistence. It takes prayer and preparation. It requires intimacy with Jesus. It requires continual repentance and the cleaning out the contamination of our hearts. It requires you to face opposition. It requires you to face hard things. But let me tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it. When you put in the hard work to dig a well of revival, it's worth it. When you dig deep and tap into that living water, out will flow signs and wonders and miracles that will shake this nation. Digging a well of revival is hard work, but we must dig to the depths that provide a steady, life-sustaining flow. This requires much perseverance because digging is hard. And truly, the deeper we dig, the harder it's going to get. But when you tap into that living water, nothing will be the same. Nothing will be the same. You will never be the same. Your family will never be the same. This city will never be the same. When you tap into that living water, when you're willing to dig, everything will change. I'm telling you, there is a depth of revival that we have not fully tapped into yet. I'm telling you, God wants to pour out his spirit in a greater way. God wants to move in your family. He wants to move in this church, but he's looking for the one that will say, God, I'm willing to dig. God, I'm willing to put in the hard work. God, I'm willing to show up. I'm willing to fast. I'm willing to pray. God is looking for the one that says, God, here I am. I'm willing. I'm willing for the sake of this nation. God, I'm willing to show up. I'm willing to contend for revival. God's looking for the one that says, I'm not going to settle for the temporary satisfactions of this world. I'm not going to settle for that surface level Christianity, but I'm going deeper. I'm going deeper after the things of God. So I just want to encourage you this morning. Don't stop digging. Don't stop going after more of God. Don't stop. Don't stop asking. Don't stop seeking. Don't stop praying. I'm telling you, church, don't stop digging a well of revival for the sake of your family, for your marriage, for your children, for your healing, for your breakthrough, for your promise, for the sake of this nation, for the generation coming after us. Don't stop digging. Don't stop digging. Don't stop digging. I'm telling you, God wants to pour out his spirit. He is looking for the church that says, God, we are going to partner with you. We are going to contend and believe for revival until we see it come. We will not be silent, God, but we're going to stand up and we're going to declare that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God is looking for the one. God is looking for the church that's going to say, yes, God, I will dig. I will dig. The past 
few months, God's been moving in our church. God's been moving in our church. We've experienced some powerful things. And as I've been praying and asking the Lord, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing in this season? I just really feel like God gave me a word for our church. I wrote this down on November 2nd. And I just really feel like God's saying something special to us. I shared it on a Wednesday night, and I want to share it this morning. But I was just praying one morning, and I was seeking God. I was praying for revival, and I feel like the Lord gave me a picture in my mind as I was praying. And it was a picture of a river that had become stagnant, that had kind of become still. I actually had um, in my mind the picture of a, a beaver dam. And it had clogged up the river. It stopped it from flowing. There was lots of debris, lots of limbs that were just causing it to clog up. And as I was praying for revival and I was praying for repentance, the waters began to move again. The waters began to flow and and the limbs began to to break up. And I said, God, what are you saying? What What are you showing me? And I felt like the Lord said that as intercession for repentance, revival, and awakening begin to increase, that the stagnant water would begin to flow again. And then I heard the Lord say, you don't even know what I'm about to do. The dam is about to break. You don't even know what I'm about to do. The dam is about to be broken. And I feel like many people have become like that stagnant water, passive, lukewarm, religious, complacent. But the Holy Spirit is stirring the water again, and he is calling us to increase our intercession. I'm telling you, the dam is about to break, and there's going to be a river of revival that is going to flow freely. You don't even know what God's about to do. You don't even know what God's about to do. And as a church, I believe God is calling us to greater intercession. Now is not the time to retreat. Now is not the time to be passive or complacent, but God is calling us to increase the intensity of our intercession. Like a woman in labor, God is getting ready to birth something in our church and we need to keep pressing. We need to keep pushing. We need to keep contending. We need to keep digging. The dam is about to break and there's gonna be a river of revival. I'm going to read Isaiah 43, 19 again. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This word this morning is not to tickle your ears that revival is coming. Hear my heart. But this word is a challenge and it's a call to prayer and preparation for what God wants to do. It's a call, a chance for you to respond and say, Lord, here I am. I am willing to dig a well of revival. I am willing to dig. 
I just want to ask everyone to stand with me. I'm telling you, God wants to move so powerfully. God wants to move so powerfully where we're going to see signs and wonders and miracles, but he's looking for the one that will say, I'm willing to dig. I'm willing to go deeper, God. I'm willing to put in the hard work. So just for the next few minutes, corporately as a church, I just want to seek God's face together. I just want to seek God's face. Worship team is going to lead us and a song, but for the next few minutes, I just want you to get alone with the Lord. If you want to come down front, if you want to kneel, what, however you want to respond, that's okay. But for the next few minutes, can we just begin to contend for revival? Can we just begin to seek the Lord's face and say, Lord, yes, I will respond. I am willing to dig. Just for the next few minutes, let's just begin to seek the Lord and pray and contend for revival and what God wants to do in this church. Worship team, lead us. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we say we are hungry and thirsty for more of you. God, and we ask that you would pour out your spirit like in the days of Acts, God, that this would be a church like Acts. God, where there is signs and wonders and miracles, God, where you are moving in power and might. As a church, God, we come together. Lord, we've heard the, the word today and we respond and we say, yes, God. Yes, God, do it again. Sin revival. Lord, we say we are willing. God, we are willing to go deep. God, we are willing to put in the hard work. God, for the sake of this city, for the sake of this nation, would you pour out revival? Come on, church, begin to lift your voice and say, God, revive me. Revive us. Revive us. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we declare that we're not going back, but that we are moving ahead. God, we declare that we will dig a well of revival, no matter the cost, no matter what it takes. God, we say we will not stop, but we will continue to dig as a church, God. We will continue to press in until we see a move. God, but we thank you for what you've already started. God, but we declare that it's just the beginning. God, there is more. There is more. There is more that you want to do. And we say, let it be done. We say we open our hearts. We welcome it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Can we just give God praise? He's so good. He's so worthy. Amen. Listen, you heard a word from the Lord this morning, okay? Peter, after Pentecost, looked around and he said, hey, this is that. She's going what we've seen in the past year. That's not that. There's more to come. 
So the word is to continue to pray and seek and fast what God has begun this year. He's going to pour out in a greater way next year. I believe that with all of my heart. Kelsey did a great job this morning. Great job. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.